welcome to the Faith and Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back to the 14th Sunday after Pentecost for the week of August 26th, 2018, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to get into this week, and I am excited that we are ending the Bread of Life Sundays with a bang, and I am excited to talk to you today about the difficulties of science, and that will lead us into space. And I am excited to have you here. I am excited to dig into this. But as I always do, I just want to do my shameless plug for Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between their commentaries, their discussions that they have on there, their Working Preachers podcast. There's a lot of really great resources that I'd highly recommend that I use since I'm not an ordained minister to give me some direction for this podcast. So, as we get into this week, our gospel text then is finishing out John chapter 6 for verses 56 through 69, or if you just want to finish out chapter 6, just go through 71, pick up those last couple verses, and we kind of have a change of setting here from Jesus. We suddenly are, it's like he's been moving and talking with this whole thing and getting us toward the temple. And when he's in there, he starts asking difficult questions. Again, talking about how the bread of life and all this is hard to do. When one of his disciples heard it, they said, this is difficult. Who can accept this? Starting in verse 60. And Jesus comes back in 61 with, does this offend you? I can almost picture him kind of like laughing with this. Is Because this is difficult, are you surprised? Does this offend you that this is difficult? And we get this beautiful passage then here at the end, starting in verse 68. Simon Peter answers Jesus, who asks him the question of, do you wish to go away? Because the large mass of people have gone away. It's just his disciples. And Simon Peter responds with, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, which is used very typically in the ELCA Lutheran liturgy. And that's where we have that. We come to believe and know you as the Holy One of God. So there's a lot there. There's a lot to digest, a lot to process. And I think actually these readings this week really tie a good bow together. So that leads into the first reading being from Joshua chapter 24 verses 1 to 2a and 14 through 18. And this is Joshua's final hurrah, if you want to put it that way. This is right before he dies. To give quick context, this is after the tribe of Israel has marched around in the desert for 40 years. They have now just entered the promised land, the land that has been promised to them by God. And Joshua is then trying to get a reaffirmation of their faith in God. And this is where we have this, I would say it's kind of been reborn as a very popular verse in verse 15 toward the end of that. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And it gets then the people who have been reflecting on and concentrating on all the different things since they've been liberated from Egypt on all the ways that God has provided for them. And the people then say, yes, we will continue to follow the Lord. And as we go through the Old Testament, we find that they at times struggle with this. But it's this reaffirmation that the Lord is there 
The Lord is powerful. The Lord has fulfilled his promises to us. So we will continue to serve the Lord. The alternative first reading is out of 1 Kings chapter 8, optional verse 1, verse 6, verse 10 through 11, but designated reading being 22 through 30 and 41 through 43. This is Solomon completing the stuff that we have talked about the last couple weeks that he's been promised through David. So as we remember, we talked about how David was not promised that he would build the temple. So Solomon in the couple chapters before this has built the temple and this is now the Ark of the Covenant being brought into the temple so that God will be present in the temple. And this leads into a huge prayer that Solomon has that takes many, many verses. But I want to focus here a little bit on the end of 1 Kings. So starting in verse 41, when a foreigner who is not from your people Israel comes from a distant land because of your name, for they shall hear of your great name, your mighty hand, your outstretched arm. When a foreigner comes and prays toward this house, then hear in heaven your dwelling place and do according to all that the foreigner calls to you so that all people of the earth may know your name and fear you, as do your people Israel, and so that they may know that your name has been invoked on this house that I have built. Verses 41 through 43. So we have this verse talking about how this is not just being built for the people of Israel. This is being built as a place for God for the whole world, as that the world is hearing this, that this will come to be. And again, this doesn't come that long after what we had last week, the acquiring of wisdom that Solomon gets. And as we kind of go through and actually the previous chapters discuss how the different roles and who can enter what parts of the temple, this thing's absolutely huge, but it's still a place for everybody. It's still a place for everybody. The psalm is finishing Psalm 34 verses 15 through 22. And again, it's that the Lord is there for us. That he is there for the brokenhearted and saves the crushed spirit, coming in verse 18. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears open to their cry, coming from verse 15. The Lord is there, and when we need him, he is there as long as we are willing to ask. And that's so important for us to realize and to contemplate and to think about, that the Lord is there. And we will come back to that as we get into the science part of this. The Ephesians reading, the last reading from Ephesians here in a week of seven weeks out of Ephesians, is chapter 6, verses 10 through 20, and we get the putting on of the armor of God. But I want to emphasize with this that if you look at verse 15, so it's kind of going through all the different, you have the belt of truth around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness. You are putting shoes on the feet to proclaim the gospel of peace. Proclaim the gospel of peace. And that's kind of where I want to launch off of because it's been traditionally looked at as this is very much like it's very militaristic. There's a lot of military type terms that are used and we're looking at this as a war, which you can look at it as a war. 
the war of good and evil, the war of Satan versus God. And there's, I think, some ways that you can look at that. You're taking up the shield. You have arrows. There's a lot of really, I remember as a kid, just, you know, this is, oh, yeah, you, you know, you get kind of fired up. But I think we overlook the word peace, that it is a gospel of peace. The reason I think, as I was reading through this and thinking about this this time going through, when we're putting on all this stuff, this isn't the typical garb today that you would fight a war in, in a lot of cases. There's much different things we would use now. But when you think about this stuff, at least in my head, I, you know, you have the helmet, you have your shield, you have your, you know, your shoes that are proper for this, you have your breastplate. It's really easy to think of like a knight in the Middle Ages and how heavy that is. Whenever something's heavy, it becomes difficult to withstand and continue to bear, continue to hold up continue to walk forward in. And I think when you look at that, tying that back to the gospel reading, how God is, when people are saying that this is difficult and God kind of saying, you think? That it's really easy for us to think that this is something that should be easy, that this should be something that's just natural that we're trying to do. And faith is something that's constantly in work, constantly in process, constantly trying to be worked on, improved upon, striving to grow. We've talked about a lot of these different things and challenging your faith, pushing your faith is not easy. It's not always easy for me to get sit down every week and get behind a mic and figure out some way for science and faith to come together. It's not. I, as I've done this, have way more respect for pastors doing this every single Sunday for years on end. It's difficult but it doesn't mean that it shouldn't be done. There's a famous speech that we probably have all heard that happened on September 12th, 1962 at Rice University. And it was when JFK is talking about us going to the moon. And I'm just going to quote one section here from that speech. We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills. Because that challenge is one that we are willing to accept, one we are unwilling to postpone, and one we intend to win, and the others two really powerful words and in a lot of ways if you know kind of space history even basically it's probably a speech that many of us have heard before kind of helps push innovation in the 1960s that we end up getting to the moon in 1969 but i think there's a lot of comparisons there when we look at when we were striving as the united states of america to go to the moon and faith at that time, we were really concerned about what was going on with the Soviet Union at that time, now Russia, and how they had put Sputnik into orbit, which was just a satellite, but they could see us. They had put something in the space. It had orbited the Earth. We were concerned. And this Cold War that we had been having with the Soviet Union was in full swing, and the United States had to prove 
to the rest of the world, to ourselves, to the Soviet Union at that time, of whose nation was greater than whose. And we have this very profound, I would almost put it as a patriotic-like speech from John F. Kennedy, to push forward and to strive to reach these goals. But I also want to point out one film that I felt did a really good job at explaining them what that meant. And so if you have not checked out the 2016 film Hidden Figures, I'd highly, highly recommend it. There's a lot of issues that we could talk about that this movie brings up that we're as a country still wrestling through. But it focuses on three African-American women who were working in various phases at NASA as they were trying to do the Apollo missions. And especially Apollo 11 going to the moon. And each of them have a different role. Each of them specializing in different things. We get a computer technician. We have multiple different facets of mathematics being used to calculate and figure out how we're going to get this object into space. And the reason I bring up this film, not only I would highly recommend it that it's a great film to watch, but it shows the challenge, the difficulty it took for us to figure out how are we going to send something into space? How is the United States, with all its resources, with all these bright engineers and mathematicians and scientists, going to figure out how to put somebody on the moon? And to me... Coming from a science background, that is the essence of science. Science is not meant to be easy. You do it because it's difficult. You do it because you're wanting to understand something, and to understand something is difficult. It takes time, it takes work, it takes understanding what's already been done and trying to think about it maybe in a new way to create theories, to create create hypothesis, even just writing a scientific paper, okay, you decide, you maybe talk with somebody about an idea, something that you want to test, you test it, you work through it and try figuring out based off the data, does it work with your hypothesis? Does it not work with your hypothesis? If it doesn't work with your hypothesis, why didn't it work with your hypothesis? Is there some other part of the data that we need to continue to look at researching? So then you take all those scientists after you've talked through this and worked up a paper and you send it to another group of scientists so that it can be a peer-reviewed journal. That someone else is looking over your methods, making sure that they make sense, making sure that the data would be something that could be semi-repeatable so that we can make sure that we're on the same page. Then it gets published so that other people can critique it and can think about it and to see if they want to run their own tests. That's a lot of hurdles just for a basic paper to go through basic scientific explanation and we've talked about even in the past couple weeks like dna just understanding and trying to figure out how not only dna and sequencing the genome and what that could all lead to but even just the structure of what does dna look like was a process it took years we don't do it because it's easy we do it because it's difficult we enjoy the challenge. We enjoy the struggle. I was listening to something. If you've never, I know I've brought up SciShow before, and but there's Vlog Brothers. It's two brothers, John and Hank Green, and they've helped create Crash Course. They've done a lot of discussion for education purposes and being able to talk about science or talk about humanities or talk about things that have been a really good resource tool, and I've used them before. 
But there was a video I found from the brother Hank Green from a couple years ago, and I'm going to link it down below, talking about people going into STEM careers, so science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, and how they're becoming less of them. And there's a lot of different reasoning on why, but one of the points that he kind of lands on at the end of this four-minute video is because it's difficult. And that he's never met anybody who is in that field that hasn't found it difficult at some point at some juncture. And that's one of the things that kind of struck a chord with me as I was thinking about myself. I was a biology major. I was a religion and environmental studies minors in college. Religion to me was very easy overall. It didn't take a lot of effort and hardcore studying for me at least for me to understand a lot of these different concepts and to work with and, and grapple with God, a lot of my time and work and energy for academics was put into my science classes because that was hard. There was a lot of memorization, a lot of things that you had to make sure you understood processes. There, there's just a lot of facts that you have to know, things that we you need to know just to be able to do your job. And it's hard when you're dealing with any science field. There's so much that has been done that you need to know so that you can build upon it. And it's hard. It's difficult. And at times, when you're, especially when you're studying something that's maybe not what you really enjoy studying, it makes it uh, feel like a Herculean type of task as you get into it, making sure you remember all these processes and names and if it's Latin or English or whatever. But then there's things like, for me, I really enjoy going and doing like ecology. I really enjoy looking at an environment and thinking about it and trying to understand why is this environment working the way that it is. I enjoy that. I think it's really fascinating as I go out and take photographs. And it's from that type of understanding that helps me get better photographs, help me understand and appreciate different ecosystems more and more, helps me understand and appreciate what God has created for me. And that's, that's the beauty of science. If we look at this then with tying it back to faith, Jesus is stating that this isn't easy. It's just like science. It's not easy. It's easy to say that we're going to do these things. It's a whole other thing to do it. One of the quotes that my dad said to me a lot when I was a child is, talk is cheap. And it is. You can say that you're going to do anything that you want, but the actions of actually doing it is a whole other thing. And that's what we kind of have gotten out of this Bread of Life series is you have these people following Jesus because he's giving them literal food. And it's like, yeah, go Jesus. You can do this. I love getting fed. And then he starts talking and talking and talking about what this means, what this actually means. And we find that by the end, he's back down to his 12 disciples because it's hard. And there's so often that we love steering the other way of difficulty. And maybe that's where God is actually steering us. We look at the tribes of Israel in the Joshua reading. 40 years wandering around the desert. But what was that more God trying to come to them so that they learned to trust him? Because we have these amazing things that he did do once he helped liberate them out of the land of Egypt. There's so much there. We have the promise that we have God giving to 
David that's being then fulfilled through Solomon. It was difficult for David probably to fully wrap his head around, but he had to be okay with it. And then if you think about it, in a way, Solomon got the hard deal of now we have to build this thing. and It's massive. I'd recommend if you get the time, look up the couple chapters before that about the building of the temple. It's huge. It's massive. But that's where we have this beautiful psalm talking about how he is there to help. We just need to call upon him. Think about like with all the different technology and all these different things that we have around us. It's at times it's really easy to think about, well, if my phone or my computer just was able to do this or do that or do this or that, and we forget the miracles of what we have been given already. One of the stories I was telling my mother the other day, and I've thought about a little bit the last few months. I remember as a kid growing up, now granted I'm 26, but I remember we had like Windows 98. I remember having Windows 98 and it was a slow machine and the boot process at times was really slow, especially compared to today, but it was even slow at that time. And I remember at times sitting there and watching the icons pop up on the screen and just saying, I wish I could take my finger and push whatever app or application I wanted to open. So like for me, probably Google Chrome at the time so that I could get on to what I was wanting to do. And the thing is, is now we have that and I don't bat an eye at it a lot. I don't think about it a lot. But we think about the process of what it took to get from that to now where I have that and not only is it in a computer that I can have a touchscreen computer, but I can have a pocket computer that a lot of people call a phone in my pocket that I can do that not only on some type of wired network, but not only a wireless network in a home, but a mobile network out and about as I wander around a city. It's crazy. It's crazy. And that's in not even 20 years. But to get to that point was challenging, was difficult. It took a lot of strife and working hard to get there. And that's where we get back to the Ephesians reading. Faith is the exact same way. I think there's a lot of times as younger Christians, we look at these people in our congregations and one, assume they have it all figured out. And two, when you find these people who have been doing this repeatedly for years upon years upon years upon years and have put in lots and lots of work and have struggled and have fought tooth and nail to get to where they are with their faith, we just feel like it's a Herculean task that we can't do. And I think that's where, again, it gets back into things that we've talked about before, coming together as a community, working together as a community to discuss, to work with these things. Because faith, yes, it is your faith at the end of the day. But faith was not meant to be done purely alone. And I think that's what is very similar to science. You might have a lead scientist, but behind that lead scientist on that paper is multiple other names who helped contribute in that project. And if you look down that paper, there's usually an acknowledgement section, which is even more people, institutions, references that they're using to help their work, faith and science. Both in this regard, they're challenging. They're not meant to be easy. If it is easy, you're not pushing yourself enough. And there's a time and a place to 
you're wrestling with something and so you're not wanting the rest of it to be difficult. But we're not meant to be in a spot where we're continuously in an easy spot with faith. We have to get comfortable with the uncomfortable. We don't do faith because it's easy. We do it partially because it's hard, because God has called us, Jesus has called us to a difficult mission. And we realize along the way that we're going to get beat up, we're going to get fall down, where it's going to be times where it's not going to look pretty. There are going to be sweat, tears, blood, but we know because of our God and how he loves us, as long as we are putting our faith in him, we will get through it. And we will have learned so much from it on the other side. So, the Twitter question I think this week that I want to bring up is, where have you found your biggest challenge in faith? Where have you found your biggest challenge in faith? I know for me that I have a couple big things that will be challenging for me in the faith, and I'm not quite ready to talk about them yet. I know probably in the next few weeks I'll be able to talk about them a little bit more. I'm really excited about them, but I know it's going to be challenging. It's going to be difficult. And I'll be honest, there's times where I am already a bit nervous with what's coming, but I feel like I am being challenged, being pushed And it's going to help my faith overall in the long run. And it's going to benefit the people around me just as much. And that's exciting. I did have one anonymous response this last week with the wisdom question that we had last week. And it was a little bit flattering that they said that they found wisdom in this podcast. For me, I look to a lot of people around me. I feel there's a lot of people in my church, a lot of people in the community at large, a lot of people who I look up to that have a lot of wisdom. And wisdom, I would think, comes from challenge. Wisdom comes from challenge, comes from life experience. And that's what's so exciting about this. As we work through these readings, as we work through this Faith and Science podcast, that there are going to be challenges, and that hopefully we're gaining some wisdom from it, and it's a fun journey to be on, and I'm glad to have you along. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science. <laughs>